Human Vortex Training and Menachem Brody present the Strong Savvy Cyclist and Triathlete Podcast, where we talk strength training, physiology, psychology, tech, and much more to help you get fitter, faster, and stronger in and out of your sport, giving you expert insights, talking with other leading experts. And now, your host, world-leading strength coach for cyclists and triathletes, Menachem Brody. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 60 of the Strong Savvy Cyclist and Triathlete podcast. This week, we're going to talk about technology. How much do you actually need as a cyclist and a triathlete? And this also applies to runners. This is a topic that I have done almost a complete 180 as I've gone through my coaching career over the last 20 years and the advent of technology and how quickly it took off here in the mid 2000s as well as how I used it on the basketball court and still use it on the basketball court and how that correlates to what should the focus be depending on where you are in your cycling or triathlon or running career. So we're going to get into that in just a minute here. It's a really good episode. I had a lot of fun putting together the the, uh, show outline for this. Uh, A lot of really, uh, you were going to have some emails come in and we'll have some conversations and maybe we'll make a follow-up episode to this uh, because there's a lot of really good uh, stuff in here. And uh, just going over it with the team a little bit, we had some really good conversations going. So very excited to share this with you. Now, before we get into today's episode, two quick announcements. Number one is the 60-day home body weight program for cyclists is now up on the Train Heroic platform. So if you want to get into it and just start right away on your own, you are able to go over to Train Heroic. The link is in the show notes, and you can purchase that and get rolling right away. This program, as we talked about two episodes ago, episode 58, so if you haven't already subscribed and given us a a five-star review, go ahead and do that. Go back and listen to episode 58 where we talk about are TRX and body weight considered strength training? And really the answer is no. And the 60-day program actually shows you what your or allows you to get the most you can out of your body weight exercises. Now, what this is going to give you is strength through range of motion. You're going to move a little bit or a lot better. You're going to work on breathing patterns. You're going to work on small muscles, stability, and you're going to work on strength through and balance through range of motion. That's what you're getting out of this. Now, when I say strength through range of motion, what I'm talking about is no clunky, no you know leaning to one side to do X or Y. This program was a really big hit when we did it with the founders uh, here back in spring of 2020. So I know you're going to love this program. And if you would like a little bit more contact on the Human Vortex Training website, you're going to be able to pick up the variation of this where we do a video call uh, as a group every two weeks. So it'll be a 45 to 60 minute video call where we're going to go over a couple of the movements, help work through common issues or your issues, depending on how big the group is. And that is going to have a different price point because we're going to get 45 to 60 minute video calls uh, every other week. So you get four of these throughout the program. Because of that, the program is not going to start necessarily immediately when you purchase it. So if you'd like to learn more about that, head on over to the link down below in the show notes or humanvortextraining.com for pre-made strength training programs and look for the 60-day cyclists home bodyweight program. Second announcement real quick. In just a pair or three weeks, rather I should say, in just three weeks, we are going to be opening the strength training for cyclists certification. The response from other fitness professionals who have proofed this and gone through it and seen the updates, which includes over 75 exercises of progressions. 
not just for the fundamental five plus one that I talk about in my first book, The Vortex Method, the new rules for ultimate strength and performance in cycling, but you're going to get four other types of strength that you need to develop for true top performance in cycling. So what you're going to get are progressions for push, pull, squat, hinge, press, rotary stability. Those are your fundamental five plus one. You're also going to get prone stability or face down, supine stability, face up, jumping progressions for acceleration and jumping progressions for deceleration. Hands down, this is the most comprehensive certification on the market. And I'm not just saying that this is what other fitness professionals have said, and these are people who have been through a number of other certifications. So the response has been overwhelmingly positive. You'll see some of those testimonials and what they actually have to say in direct quotes on the page when it opens. But if you'd like to sign up now, head on over to the link in the show notes to get on the insiders list and to save yourself 200 bucks when it opens. And now there's also going to be a three pay option, in which case there is going to be a little bit of a price difference uh, just because of the payment fees and we're allowing you to pay it over three months. But just know that we are going to have both of those live here in about three weeks. So make sure you're signing up for the insiders list. You're gonna get a little bit of content beforehand and then you're gonna get first dibs as well. So you guarantee yourself a seat when it opens. That being said, that's all the announcements for right now. Let's get into today's episode of how much technology do you actually need? Let's be very clear about this. When I began my career as a basketball coach, this technology was something that I really embraced. And that came from an opportunity that I had. I had reconstructive shoulder surgery back in, uh, I think it was 2006, 2005, something like that. I was a manager for the University of Pittsburgh men's basketball team, uh, who at the time, the whole time I was there, were ranked top 25 in the nation, which was a hell of experience. I got to learn from some of the best coaches uh, in the world, uh, Jamie Dixon, Barry Rorson, uh, Pat Sandel. And what was interesting about this is that after I had that surgery, I couldn't perform the duties of a regular manager, which is to pass balls, to be responsible for rebounding, uh, giving water, carrying stuff, set up, breakdown, etc. So I wasn't able to be on the floor. And what they came up with was I was the manager assistant video coordinator. So that meant that I was working with uh, Brandon Knight and I had to record videotape the practices from up top. So I got to really learn the game of basketball. So that was the first part of, of the introduction to technologies, watching how they were breaking down plays and they were using this technology. And uh, one of the creators of the technology was actually the husband of one of the trainers that I worked with when I worked at the physical therapy clinic as a strength and conditioning specialist, serving that in between uh, from, okay, you're, you're out of PT, you're out of physical therapy, and now you need to get back to your sport. So it was really cool to have all that, you know, uh, but really what my point here is opportunities present themselves, number one. And that goes back to what we've talked about with a number of guests here and a couple more that you're going to hear uh, coming up. So instead of getting pissed off and upset, I'm broken, I can't do this, uh, what's the opportunity here? The second thing is the technology, I really embraced it. And that's the focus for today's episode is I embraced technology so much that I lost the connection between the soft skills a little bit. You know, I still was very interested in psychology, but it's like, ah, psychology, there's not a lot of research out there to show this. Yeah, that was a smart call. Good job, Brody. Pat on the back. And it was also one of those things where show me the numbers, show me the research data, show me the numbers on the screen, show me the power file. Well, we, we do need to know what heart rate is, but it isn't as important because power is power is power. And after a couple of years, thanks to my own coaches and my own reading and mistakes that I made, I failed quite a number of times, but learned quickly from it. 
had open and honest conversations with uh, a number of, of people that I coached, which was actually fantastic. And this is something, you know, I just had somebody reach out on Instagram the other day and he was telling me about how he's uh, getting into his master's in sports performance and he's going to be working with teams. And uh, hey, I, I heard you mention in the latest podcast of the First Food Clients about being new and learning and you were very open and honest with them. Uh, any tips for working with teams uh, and adult teams? And I said, yeah, be confident and be honest. And this is something that has served well. And what does that have to do with technology? Everything. Because there are going to be technologies that I as a coach, you as a coach, you as an athlete, someone introduces them to you. And sometimes we have our ego get in the way and we say, yeah, yeah, I'm familiar with that. But really, we've kind of heard of it and we're aware of it, but we don't really know what it is. So number one is be open and honest and you're going to learn a lot. So that's one of the fun parts about being a teacher and, and a coach is you learn far more than the athletes that you work with uh, because they're teaching you the whole time. But when it comes to technology, essentially, we have come in endurance sports to this place where technology is so incredibly uh, relied upon that we have lost the connection to our bodies. Our athletes, if you ask them, okay, go on a scale of one to 10, I want you to go at a seven. Coach, what's that? What's a seven? How hard? Is that like FTP? Uh, well, it's kind of FTP. It's like sweet spot-ish, if that, you know, we'll have an episode about that, but roughly, roughly sweet spot. Okay, sure. And then you look at the power file about an hour and a half, two hours later. Like, dude, that was threshold. That's an eight. Well, I don't really know what a seven is. Okay, we're going to go back to basics here. So that's an actual conversation that I've had with an athlete. Do you feel how awkward that is? Right? That's how I felt on the phone. Like, uh, okay, let's just go with it. We have lost the ability to coach the human component of our sports. We have become so reliant on power files, on whoop straps, and HRV telling us what we're what we should do or shouldn't do that day. Certainly, these things have um, an ability to aid. However, it's based off of our abilities as human beings, as coaches, to be able to read the person. And that's why one of the books that I've, I've really put out to a number of the interns is reading body language. So the last two years, the interns who have come in, they've received three books from me. I will, I will teach you to be rich is number one. And then there's two others. One is about how to talk with people, how to build rapport, depending on the individual. And that's going to be a book they get or a genre they have the book they get. And the other is about body language. And always the response is, well, why do I need body language? You know, I'm, I'm coaching. Exactly. That's, that's why you need body language. You need to be able to read when they say, oh, I'm fine versus, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. You need to be able to read what their body is telling you because that says a lot more. Now, as we get into the technology side of things, bear with me a little bit because it's going to seem like we're going off on tangents, but we're going to bring it back together and you're going to understand exactly what we were talking about and why we went down that rabbit hole a little bit. And uh, it's going to be... Uh, a lot of questions that you have. And that's the point of today's episode. It may be short, but we want to have you asking the important questions. Okay, so let's start with this. Number one is the soft science of connecting with your body. A number of triathletes have come to me this year, 2020, even though there's no racing, they're really interested in the sport, they want to do the sport, or they had signed up for a race. And then since they had the race canceled or delayed and then canceled, they realized, you know what, I'd do much better with a coach. I really want to take this next six months, eight months, or however long it is until the delayed uh, date, and I would really like to make the most out of it. 
a lot of them come to me and say, what equipment do I need? I see all these people with garments and heart rates and whoop straps. Um, what's the other thing? A power meter. Um, somebody else mentioned they, they had, um, oh, I don't even remember, some other app that measured stress. Like, what do I need? How, how much do I need to spend on equipment? The answer is either a heart rate or power meter depending on, on what you are interested in. If you really want numbers, we can do power meter. Now, some coaches, including myself, I planned about three years ago, you have to have a power meter to work with me. And the reason I've gone away from that is because a lot of beginners don't yet need a power meter. They just need to ride their bikes. They need to run. They need to work on their mechanics. They need to work on their feel. And we heard this last week with Sebastian in episode number 59, where we talked about the Leomo and how you can use that to help coach an athlete so that they can actually go out and ride and feel what their ideal efficient posture or position on the bike would be. And this is point number one. Don't get lost in all of the technology. Totally, totally, totally guilty of this myself. I remember when the jawbone uh, wristband came out that was supposed to wake you up with the ideal time in the morning. Instead of your alarm, it was going to buzz exactly when you were changing sleep cycles. Didn't work. I used it for about four weeks and I was like, this thing does not work. Really cool in concept, waste of 200 bucks. And it's sat in my drawer. I think I still have it. I don't know if you've seen that meme of a guy decides to finally throw out cables that he saved from 1994 to use one day. Uh, I think I just threw that, that bracelet out. Uh, just about two months ago, but I was so reliant and looking for this technology to tell me what really my body was already telling me. Hey, you know what? Remember that one time about a week and a half ago that you woke up at 5.15 instead of 5.30? Yeah, you felt much better. And then let's try that again. Oh, 5.15. I actually feel, you know, it's a little bit earlier. I expect to be tired, but I feel pretty good. Being in tune with our body is so faux pas now <laughs> that, you know, why would you go buy your body? Just go buy a whoop strap. That's going to tell you everything you need to know. No, that's not how it works. <laughs> so really, it's number one is we need to have just enough data that we can coach ourselves or that athlete well. And this is going to depend on the athlete's personality. So I just had a conversation yesterday with a new triathlete. And uh, he's doing a complete 180. He has an eight-speed steel frame road bike. He's like, well, I have to get a tri-bike. And then I need to get a, do I get a trainer? I was thinking about getting a commercial bike for home. Um, I was thinking, uh, you know, maybe I'd get a used bike. And through our conversation, we had a very long conversation. You know, what's really unique about how the intake process goes is the intake conversation. I want to make sure I'm the right coach for that person. So just because someone contacts me does not mean that I'm going to take them. And by the way, if you're another coach and you haven't done this, and I know nowadays it can be very tough because, you know, some athletes are stopping, other athletes are going through things and they need to put on pause. But you, you really want to make sure you're taking people that need to work with you or that you want to work with that, that mesh. And this is really important. This is a big mistake that I made the first three or four years of my, my coaching careers. I just took pretty much anybody who came in the door and was interested in coaching, I took them. And what happened is there were a couple of relationships where it just didn't work out. I wasn't the right person. I didn't have um, the eye for equipment was one of them. And I'm not a weight weenie by any means. And, you know, they kept coming in and saying, hey, well, the new Shimano is this and uh, the Altegra is this, but the braking power is this. What do you think? And I'm like, they're brakes. They're going to work. <laughs> uh, so that type of athlete, I don't work well with. So when people come in and I hear them talking about specific equipment and details and this and that, uh, then I begin to, okay, maybe this isn't a good fit. Now, when people come in with technology, that's a different story. So I don't want you to think that, you know, someone comes in and is really into technology, I'm going to say no. 
one of the athletes I'm coaching right now is really into the technology, has a whoop strap, has uh, a number of other pieces of equipment that he uses to help measure, but we have great coach-athlete conversations, and it's a fantastic relationship because we're very clear and honest with one another. So when he says, hey, I really want to rely on my sleep score, I really want to give this thing a shot, I say, okay, let's do this, and this is how we're going to do it. Or, hey, I don't think this is the right time. So being open and honest with your athletes and, and, and yourself, is this really the right person? Now, when it comes to technology, so this beginner, instead of saying, oh, you know what, sign up with me right now today, we're going to get you rolling because the motivation is high and I've got to get the dollars in the bank account. It doesn't matter. Hey, what's your budget? Oh, well, I know that I need to buy this equipment, so I'm trying to figure that out. Okay, great. Here's the first step for you. Number one, let's have you head over to this bike shop. I know the owners. Here's their names. This is why I'm sending you there. You do not need a time trial or a quote-unquote try bike. You need a good quality road bike. Now, what I want you to do is go there. Let them know. Be honest. Tell them that you spoke with me. This is your first time looking for a bike. Tell them the type of bike you have. Uh, and then they are going to put you on two to three different bikes that you're going to ride back to back to back. Immediately, you're going to get off and you're going to get onto the next one. So you can feel what the difference is because a lot of beginners will just go and buy a bike that's roughly the right size. That was the other reason I told them to go is I said, we need to figure out what your right bike size is. You just need a good, durable road bike. Three manufacturers in the whole world make the bikes, uh, really, and then there's just difference in the composite and the geometry. That's it. And he loved it. I got an email back. He's like, whoa, the difference is absolutely amazing. The one geometry versus the other geometry. Uh, and he has a background in another sport, so he kind of understands this stuff. That's where I want his focus right now. I don't want him worrying about a power meter or buying a, well, we did talk about buying a trainer. I, I told him, look, you know, Pittsburgh, cold, cold winters and they're long days. So we're going to want to get you a smart trainer because you're going to want to use Zwift because there's a community there. So this is the first two or three steps. And this is all the technology you need. And he said, well, what about a heart rate monitor or the other uh, meters? I was like, don't worry about that yet. Let's get you riding the bike first and, and really love what you're doing and get in tone with your body, and then we'll go from there. A lot of coaches are too fast to, oh, you're new to the sport, or oh, you're new to coaching, you've got to get a power meter, and you've got to do a heart rate monitor, and you've got to buy the Leomo, and you've got to buy this, and you've got to buy that, or borrow this and do that. As a new athlete, put yourself in their shoes. I'm getting into coaching. I've been riding my bike based off of cadence, speed, and time, and average miles per hour, and now you're telling me I need a power meter and a heart rate strap and all this other stuff. We are stripping the athlete of the ability to continue to fall in love with the sport and to focus on getting better at handling the bike and cornering and being one with the bike. And Sebastian and I spoke about this a little bit last week. We, we kind of went over it, we glazed over it, but there's a point around 20 minutes in, 25 minutes in, where he talks about, you know, certainly there are guys like Sagan and that have the descending and the breaking and cornering, but you, you know, to teach that, there's no one path to teach an athlete how to break, how to corner, but a lot of people don't learn that, and that can make or break a career, because yeah, you've got the engine, but you're putting a Ferrari, you know, Formula One engine into uh, a 91 Honda Civic with a convert kit, like yeah, It'll handle pretty well, but it's still a Honda Civic base, and there's only so much uh, G's that it's going to be able to handle, and the cornering's just not going to be there. It's not going to end well for people, right? It's just not going to end well. I think we're going to make that a catchphrase. I find myself saying that a lot in the last month. It's not going to end well. We have to remember as coaches with technology, there is a need for it. We do want to have the numbers. You know, the Strava segments can be good or bad. This particular uh, triathlete I was talking with, the Strava for him right now is awesome. 
cool. That's all we're going to use. Put your cell phone in your back pocket. Keep your cadence. Keep your average miles an hour. Let me know where you're riding. Uh, if you can get a heart rate strap, just put it on so we know what's going on. If not, that's cool too, man. We're going to worry about that after we get you a, a bike that you're going to be able to use and a smart trainer because we're going to use that this winter as well as uh, throughout the next couple of years. It's an investment for you. That's number one. So don't jump the gun and buy all this technology. Let's move on to number two. Number two is when a new technology comes out, there are some things, and I mentioned this myself with the Leomo last week's episode, uh, number 60, or 59 rather, that I jumped as soon as I saw the Leomo was available. I was probably one of the first 50 people to buy one because this was for me. Now I can give somebody the connection on a graph unequivocally, here's your power, here are your angles for your upper thigh and your lower back and your and your head. And here is why strength training for your upper body is important. That was two specific cases, and I jumped at it. I didn't just order one Leomo Type R, I ordered two. And that was so I could have one, so I could tool around with, and then I could give the other one to athletes to ride for two to four weeks so that I could be able to see what they were doing and then be able to better coach them. There are some pieces of technology that you want to jump at because you as a coach or you as an athlete, it hits with what is interesting to you. When Strava came out, I remember Andy Seitz was like, hey, dude, this is like really cool. There's this uh, app called Strava and you can go out and it like lets you compare yourself to a bunch of other people uh, that are out in your area on certain pieces of road. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. Please don't burn yourself out doing this. And I kind of ignored it for two years. You can ask him. I was like, cool. All right. And then what happened is over the course of that year, then he got Samson to use it. Samson's brother Nemo used it. And then a couple other guys on the pit team decided to use it. And then one day we're sitting in that cafe at the end of the ride and they're all pulling out their Strava and uploading stuff. And I was like, what is that? They're like Strava. I was like, is that the thing you told me about Andy? He's like, yeah. I was like, oh, okay, that's pretty cool. And then come the winter time and early spring when I needed to push them and, and give them carrots when we had a nice day so that they could go out and actually ride hard. Hey, um, let's use uh, uh, Strata, st like Strava, Brody. It's called Strava, not Strata, not street in Italian, Strava. I was like, yeah, yeah, that thing. Let's use that. So a two-hour ride, da, 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 da. So there's a time where this is exactly what we're talking about. I was aware of it. I didn't really know it until I saw it in action and like, wow, we can actually use this as a tool. And that came from Andy. That was athlete-led because as a coach, I was power files, recovery, how's he feeling, and let's have a conversation about where we want to be in three weeks and what we've done the last three. That was my focus. And that's totally okay. It's part of our genesis as a, a coach and as an athlete. But when you have these new technologies, there are some circles, there is going to be social pressure for you to jump into new technology. That was what I went against with Strava. And that was one of the reasons why I didn't take it right away. I was really interested, but I was also like, you know what? Everybody else is doing it. I'm not really interested. I need to refine what I'm doing right now because I have so much data as it is. I was really into quadrant analysis at the time, and I, I still kind of am. And that's where I put my focus. I was like, I could get this other shiny new object, or I could refine and focus what I'm doing right now. Think about how your athletes are going to go through that. If every six months, a new app, a new piece of equipment comes out, and they're talking about it, or someone else is talking about it. Oh, the vector pedals. Tangent alert. Tangent alert. The vector pedals. I had an athlete for three years put off buying a power meter because they wanted the damn pedals. Beep, 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 beep. Insert expletive. 
dude, just get a power meter and then sell that one when the pedals come out because it's not happening. Even the owner of the bike shop after the first year was like, so-and-so, just buy a, a power tap and then we will trade you for your vector pedals when they come in. We'll, we'll change it based on how much you use and we'll sell them for you and you can use that towards the purchase. No, 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 I need to wait. I need the pedals. I need right-left balance. Waiting for a technology is quite possibly one of the dumbest things that we as coaches or athletes can do. Let me wait until, I don't know, what's something that's used? A Golden Cheetah or WKO update comes out. That could take years. It depends on the development. We don't know. Use the tools you have at that time to the best of your abilities to do the best you can on that day at that time with where you are and in that situation. John Wooden, one of the greatest coaches of all time. Simple. Yet so many athletes nowadays, oh, I'm going to wait for that app to come out before I really start doing X, Y, or Z. Or I'm going to wait for uh, the new Keo 2 Max, uh, super blade, clipless, less, weighs 10 grams less per pedal to come out. Sure. If that's your thing, okay. But if your pedals are falling apart, just get some dang pedals and get your athlete to ride. And on the strength training side of things, I have a number of coaches that are messaging me, hey, I saw you're using X uh, technology whenever you're strength training. Uh, can you tell me exactly how you implement it and give me, and they list like 15 questions. And, you know, at first, the first couple, I, I, a couple years ago, I would give like long emails back and I just don't have the time. And it's also, the technology is great, but that's what's working for me and my athletes. And some of the technologies that people have seen me use, I've put on social media, if you follow up with me, and, and some of you will know who I'm talking to because I know you are listeners, we've had conversations, I don't use it anymore because when I went through and used it myself or had a handful of athletes use it, I was like, you know what? This isn't what I thought it was or it's not going to serve the purpose or it doesn't match with that athlete's personality because they're going to get so lost in the numbers on a screen, they're not going to worry about themselves and actually getting better. So that's the other side of technology is putting off actual training or things that can improve your performance or help you recover and adapt better because you're waiting for a technology to come out, because you hear it's in development, uh, because someone else has it but the price is a little bit too high, because it's just come out, you want, to, you want to buy a used pair, just get riding, get training. And that's what I encourage people in the opening of my book. I spend about three or four pages or three or four times in the first couple of pages, I talk about the common excuses that cyclists and, and triathletes and basketball players and football players uh, have had. You know, page six here, I've spoken about in my courses, presentations, and continuing education classes for coaches from around the world. If you wait to follow the research, you are easily five to 10 years behind what the best in the profession are doing. Now, that is incredibly applicable to the technology as well, because there are going to be things that other strength coaches have. If you go and see them in person and shadow them, which I strongly recommend you do, depending on what your status is and if the gyms are open, ask if you can come watch for a day. You would be amazed as to the number of coaches who say, sure, uh, let's uh, do a quick phone call, make sure it's a good fit for you, but you can come in and shadow, uh, see what's going on. Some will charge you uh, a little bit of money, and that's more for the commitment for you. Uh, sometimes it's a legal contract or a legal thing where now you're you're paying to be there, so it covered under the liability insurance. Uh, and other times, they don't. They don't ask you for anything. Say, hey, you know what, if you want to volunteer your time and come and shadow me, you know, Cool. Absolutely, man. Come on into the facility. We'd love to have you. We open at this time. Uh, if you show up after X, don't bother coming in because uh, it's too late. How'd that happen? You would be amazed. Now, the reason I'm, I'm going off on a little bit of a tangent here is because this is how we need to learn. And I mentioned I started talking about the book and I talked about the research here. That was the tangent. Um, now, 
when you're looking at anything new, you need to start. There is a magical thing that happens when you stop procrastinating and actually do. And I, I mentioned this, you know, the intro is about 10 or 12 pages long to the book. And I say, while you're reading this, go to the back, choose whichever of the three training programs is appropriate for you, either bands and kettlebells or TRX and bands or TRX and kettlebells uh, or barbells and dumbbells and get started while you're reading the book so that you can start experiencing. And then as you're reading, you're going to experience and you'll be able to go, oh, that's why we're doing that. That's why that works. We need to start. And with technology, there's also that other side of things where you get the new technology and you're like, oh, well, you know what? I'm in the middle of my my really important sprint build or my glycolytic energy system build. This is a specific, uh, a specific time I'm thinking about. And I got this really cool piece of technology and they say I should test and just go to exhaustion. And now that athlete has completely blown their good efforts two and a half, three weeks before their peak race. And then they're wondering what happened. It's like, well, dude, you got the new technology. Uh, it was very clear. We can test it after. Let's not add anything new two and a half weeks before. And they're like, no, no, it's okay. It's okay. We as coaches need to be able to guide our athletes to better decisions. And athletes are going to do, clients are going to do whatever the heck they want, right? We can't be there and, and force them to do anything, you know? And uh, this is the other part of technology is that as a rider, as a triathlete, especially if you are not competing for a specific race or building for one big event, like a lot of triathletes now or just any event they can, that they can get into, they are going and racing doesn't matter. So they're not looking for a peak. I think as a coach, this is phenomenal for our sport of triathlon. This is enjoyment of our sport. Ah, I finally get a chance to race. I got in. Yes. Let's go do it. Yes. That's what we want. Yeah, of course. It's great to have a taper race. It's great to have an event to, to fly to, uh, to go to a destination race. Absolutely, you should try and build yourself up uh, every two years to a peak event. And that's what's going to keep you going and really push your edges. But for most triathletes, they do not need a peak event every year. They don't. And as of this week, there was a, there's a, either a video or a blog post going around where a very uh, well-known trainer, uh, strength and conditioning coach, said most runners should be walkers. And I could not agree with him more. I really could not. And some of you are going to say, what? Are you serious? One of the, my favorite things that I used to do when I was uh, single in Pittsburgh and also here in Tel Aviv uh, when I first moved here was I would go and I would sit on the marathon course right at the half marathon and marathon split, wherever that was. Why? Because I wanted to see how many people were continuing on to the marathon that really shouldn't be. You know, we're talking about six to 10 miles in, maybe seven miles in is where the split would happen usually. Who should not be continuing for the marathon because they just don't have the postural strength, they don't have the tissue qualities, or they don't have the technique? A lot. And this is one of the, the problems we also have in triathlon is a lot of people are giving, uh, going out and putting in lots and lots of running volume and they just don't have the baseline strength or postures uh, or breathing patterns even to be able to handle that. And that means there's overuse injuries, which means that you're losing training time. It's not these big training miles that's going to do it. It's doing the least amount of training to get you the impact that you need possible in order to progress. That brings us to point number three of technology and how much technology you actually need. I do like HRV 
except I am extremely picky about which ones I will allow. And yes, it is allow athletes to purchase because they ask, hey, should I get X or Y? I'm not going to name anything. If you follow me on social media, you will know exactly the one or two HRV products that I do put my name behind or allow my athletes to use. And there is a reason for that. They are some of the most accurate. They're in constant development. Uh, Their focus is on making the product better, not on marketing it, because they know that word of mouth will get out there. And the better the product is, the the more people are going to find it because of how good it is. Not because they have some fancy campaign that's telling a million people that they need to come in. Uh, That is my focus. The HRV can be an aid for athletes or coaches who have athletes who like to HTFU and just ram their head into a wall. The challenge is the HRV only becomes more accurate as you use it more frequently every day, as well as are making sure that if you are getting whack numbers where the athletes, and I still ask my athletes, when you fill out your workout log, I would like to know on a scale of one to 10 or one to five, rather, excuse me, one to five, how good did you feel this morning when you woke up? And and one of the, the products that I recommend does this as they go through, and it's a consideration in their score. It's part of their, their um, mathematical equation, right? This is important. This is incredibly important. How do you feel? One to five, zero to five, zero. I feel like trash. Five, let's go do our race. The best technology allows the human component to be taken into consideration. So with your athletes, if you are going to use something to help measure recovery, I don't, I don't think the Garmin watch's recovery is accurate at all. I think it's a gimmick. And I say that having been a part of some projects, not at the scale of Garmin, that, not that big of a company, but a number of other companies and technologies, the amount of people who worked on that thing is immense. The, the man hours and the focus put into that are extremely high. And I do not blame, and, and you shouldn't either as a coach or as a consumer, don't blame the R&D team. They're trying to do incredibly complex things. When I worked with V uh, by Lifebeam, the first artificial intelligent trainer, I was floored floored as to the hours we put in in them trying to understand my mind map and my thought process what if this happens and then i had to go out and map the 47 or 57 i don't even remember but it was over 40 different decisions that i made in order to make a simple what i thought was a simple adjustment okay why do you do that what happens if x what happens if y it's like dude this is holy crap my head hurts (laughs) we need to be able to understand our athletes at that level where we can understand the small micro adjustments. Sometimes it comes naturally. And it, as a coach, if you want to really get to know yourself as a coach, go through that. Why am I doing that? Why am I doing that? And by the way, Simon Sinek's ask yourself why seven times and you're at the core of the decision, the root, when it comes to developing training programs and adjusting, it's not seven. <laughs> it's closer to 12 or 14. Now, as we get into the technology side of things, limit the technology your athlete has become reliant upon. You know, a lot of people uh, send me, <laughs> my Garmin watch says I need 57 days of recovery from that HRV, or um, not the HRV, excuse me, that from the high intensity intervals we did the other day. I'm like, you don't need 57 days. Oh my God. And they're so set on that. Like, oh, I have all this training stress. I don't know what to do. I need a rest. And all of a sudden they're like, hey, I'm in my compression boots. I brought them to work. And like, no, no, no. The watch is, is off. You don't need to trust the watch. Trust yourself. We've lost that. 
So when you're assigning technology or you're thinking about adding technology, the first thing to ask yourself as a coach or as an athlete is, do I know myself well enough before I get into this? Compression boots, great for professional athletes or those who are trying to go professional and who are working on their legs all day. So bicycle mechanics who also happen to be really good bike racers. That was one of the first people I recommended it to way before the way back before they were only three to $5,000. And he was like, dude, I, I, I can't afford that. It's like eight grand. I don't know if it was eight grand, but it was more than 5,000. He's like, that's as much as a new bike. And I'm not going to spend that on a pair of compression boots. So we came up with a, a happy medium where he had compression shorts and then he would go and sit in the hot tub once a week. So he would pay, I think, 10 bucks or whatever for the local community center and then he would go into the hot tub and then he would do contrast showers. And that's how we got him to recover or maintain his balance so that he was actually able to progress. And he had a great season that year uh, because we managed the stress he had from standing on his feet. So there is a, a form of technology being used for a specific athlete because of the settings. But we did not get into the super complex power meter stuff and all that. It was just simple. And that's going to be point number four and our last one for today. Before you add technology, think, what would this look like if it were easy? And for some athletes, for some riders of you out there and some of you triathletes, the simple way is having the technology. However, you need to make sure it's the technology and using the technology to get to know your body better. So for example, this morning, my HRV was 67. I had a fantastic, oh, that was the best. That, my first time squatting weight in 18 months, almost to the day actually, <laughs> where uh, I think it was six days short to oh, exactly March 18th of 2019 was the last time I squatted weight. Sorry, actually it was March 16th. So it was almost exactly, uh, almost exactly a year. And the feel that I had, that morning I was at 98%. And I knew that. I woke up and the first 10 minutes, I was like, man, I feel really fresh, actually. It was a pretty good night's sleep. You know, the bed was nice. The temperature in the room was perfect. Baby didn't wake up uh, that much, or at least not loud enough that I could hear. By the way, moms are superheroes. So if you haven't heard that, moms, you are a super superhero. Dads, make sure you're treating your moms well uh, and your wives. Now, that day I knew when I sat there and I had my first cup of coffee, here we go. And then I started to get and prepare my day. I go through this goal setting, and that's going to be two episodes from now. Uh, you're going to hear about my goal setting and what I use to help me make sure that I'm productive, not just active, which was a huge problem for me for many years uh, up until about five ago. So you're going to hear about that. As I went through my day, I was already mentally draining myself. I'm like, man, I've got to finish these tasks. They're just rote, but they are going to be productive. It's going to help me be able to move forward. <sighs> man, I, and I just started to feel tired. And what happened is I went to the gym and I wasn't able to focus. I had my session. I, I purposely planned the week front loaded. So that day I had one session with one athlete who I love working with nine o'clock in the morning, a great human being, tons of fun to work with, uh, really likes to push themselves, but also knows their body, especially at a young age, really impressive. And so I was a little bit energized and I wrote a blog post about that. You can read that up over on the human vortex training blog. Uh, it's on, um, it's on focus. I don't remember what the title was, but you'll be able to look it up. It'll be posted. I think it's, uh, it was either the 9th or 10th or 11th of September, sometime that week, the week before this goes up. So as I went through that session, I was not able to focus. 
because of the mental energy. I felt so tired. And what happened is as I focused more on the workout, the energy came around. So HRV was 98, but I felt 70. I felt 98 first thing in the morning as soon as I started organizing my day and going, man, I have to do these rote tasks. They got to get done. Just drain my mental energy. This is where that technology can serve to help you. And that's what happened with the lift is I was like, no, no, the HRV says 98. I know it's a true score. It's been on point for two months. Uh, it's just my mental energy. I just need to find the focus for the actual exercise repetitions themselves. Uh, and I will be fine. And that's what it was. That was my best lift that I've done uh, in three weeks. And my recovery today, 67. So I was down, th- uh, what is that, 33 points. And then I did my recovery session and I gained two. So I'm at 69% now. So that's where that technology can help. And I know it's actually better than that. The reason it was only plus two is because the air conditioning was not in in the gym. So my heart rate was a little bit higher. Just by feel, I know I'm about a 78. I know that sounds kind of silly to some of you. Like, oh, a number, how do you know that? That's what teaching your your athletes to recognize your body and what it's telling you is going to do. And this is what the best athletes do. They just know. They try. They're professionals. They still get it done the best of their abilities, but they also will shut it down quickly. And that was one of the the most impressive things that I learned working with professional athletes. And you've also heard uh, Trevor Connor talk about, and you hear future guests talk about the professionals that that they've trained with or ridden with, and how as they went through, people just, the the professionals just, nope, it's not going to happen today. We're just going to do a recovery. I'm just going to ride for a half hour and go home, man. (laughs) What? I thought we were supposed to do a three and a half hour ride. Just not there today because they know their bodies. They're not relying on technology to tell them. And that's how we're going to wrap things up here. So we, we've talked about how, you know, I was introduced to technology as a video manager assistant at, at the pit basketball team and how I used it to get to know the sport. Then I got into cycling and triathlon and really relied heavily on it. Show me the power numbers. Power is power is power. And then I started to remember my seeds or my, my growth through strength training. Well, the position's determine what actually matters and how the body's held up on the bike is going to affect how all the muscles, one muscle or one joint affects all the rest of the muscles. So we have to make sure things are working. Hmm. Well, let's look at that. We don't have technology for that. Leomo came. Let's use that. And then realizing, well, the Leomo is great, but it's a little bit difficult for some people. So maybe we're not going to use it as much. Using technology can and should be a part of your coaching philosophy, if only to confirm or deny that you're doing the right things. I like to do it in 10 to 14 day increments. Most of my athletes, I just tell them, let's try it for two weeks. If it's working in two weeks, fantastic. We're going to keep going. If it's not working after two weeks, we're going to change it. If it's really not working after two or three workouts, we'll find another way. There's lots of paths to get there. And then we can use the technology to confirm or deny what we found. And sometimes the technology will tell you, you know what, you're way wrong because this is actually working. And then we need to take a step back and first ask, how do we know what's right? How do we know that this technology thing is actually right? Is it precise and accurate? Did we use it correctly? Because most of the time when technology doesn't tell you what you want it to tell you or what you think it's going to tell you, it's user error. For example, when I used one of the HRV things for the first couple of workouts, I had it on my wrist because it looks like a watch. And then I was getting really wonky heart rate readings. I was like, what? This is not right. I totally know. And I'm sitting there using, you know, counting like that's wrong. So I went back to the user manual. By the way, did you know your car comes with a user manual? So does your bicycle. Yeah, there's a user manual. (laughs) Go figure. I was like, oh, it goes on my forearm, right? Just like when I measure in the morning, even though it looks like a watch, it's just made to look like a watch because it's, it's easy for me to read mid-workout. And I fixed it and right away, the heart rate monitor and the strap and the, the uh, watch both read the same numbers. There we go. We're happy. 
So oftentimes technology, make sure it's dialed in, make sure it's calibrated, make sure it is precise and accurate, but listen to your body. There are gonna be times when you know. We covered a lot of different topics and we really got uh, not too far into the weeds of technology. I know some of you were thinking, oh, he's gonna talk about the details of the watts per kilo and, and measuring the force velocity. All of that is there. It's behind what I'm sharing with you guys. And that was uh, one of the things with the book. A couple of you have emailed me and said, you know, I really expected a much more technical book from you. We, I, I like to do more, you know, if you talk with me in person, we're going to be very technical. I like to try and make it simple. You know, what if it were easy? How do we make it so it's easy? So just think, have that approach as you go through. Think this way. What if it were easy is number one. Are we coaching the athlete to better know their body? Number two, and are you getting any benefit other than just more numbers from technology. And most of the times you're gonna find it's just more numbers, it's more data to crunch. And if you're a data head and you have the time to do that, or that's how you coach, fantastic, man, power to you. That's just not how I work anymore. I used to do that and it just got to the point where it's too much freaking data, too much time to go through, I'm just not getting what I need. Keep it simple, stupid, make sure that you are being consistent Every two to three months, well, you'll hear about that in two episodes. Actually, we'll talk about the goal setting and how you should review. So until next time, make sure you're hitting the review button. Give us a five-star review, as well as like and share with three to five other people who you know or think need to hear this message and what we talked about today with technology. Maybe they're a data head and they just keep jumping to the new newest technology and they never stick with one thing for longer than six months. Maybe they need to hear about that. Or it's the other person who says, oh, my numbers are this, that, and the other. And meanwhile, you're getting way faster and they're staying the same. Maybe they need to hear this. Or it could be the person who is just new to the sport and is just overwhelmed. Help them get into the sport and understand you don't need all the technology. If you're a beginner cyclist, here's what I'd recommend. First and foremost, if you have the income to spend, you already have a bike that is the right size and fits you, the first thing that I would recommend is a basic cycling computer that takes distance, speed, time, you can do intervals where you uh, separate them on, as well as average miles per hour. That's it. We'd like it to be downloadable so that you're able to keep track of it, but you can also keep a written log. In fact, that's what I do with all of my strength programs. My own personal ones are written in Google Keep, not in Excel, not anything fancy, but it allows me each week to look back and just have a mind map that's very simple and moving forward. Now, if you'd like to spend a little bit more money and go for a little bit of a nicer uh, type of computer, I would recommend going with a power meter. I'm really big on Cork. I really like their product. I think they do a fantastic job of customer service as well as have a really, really durable product. The Cork is a bottom bracket based, which means you're not gonna be able to move it from bike to bike. However, it is going to be able to be easily maintained and allow you to be able to ride miles and miles with quality bottom brackets, a great choice of uh, spindles and a great choice of crank arms and gear ratios. It is not a paid advertisement. I'm not getting paid anything. If somebody knows someone at Cork and would like to do some advertising on this, cool man, hook us up. My email is Brody, B as in boy, R-O-D as in dog, I-E, at humanvortextraining.com. Now, if you are triathlete and you are looking for something to use for the swim, bike, and run, then I would recommend a Garmin. You do want to know what your heart is doing as you're going through. However, we need to be careful not to get too wrapped up in that. So yes, I would recommend a GPS watch. Only for that, you're going to need to do some open water swimming. If you haven't done open water swimming yet and you are a little scared or fearful of the water, we had a fantastic guest here, Ali Meeks, who also has a book called Conquer Your Fear of the Triathlon Swim. Strongly recommend you listen to that episode as well as look for the Garmin that has GPS. 
Yeah, you're probably going to wind up dropping between $400 and $700 on this piece of equipment. But two things. One, this piece of equipment should last you at least two to four years. Two, you should be able to resell it also at a later time should you decide and get a good return on your investment, so to speak. You're going to lose some money because you've used it and new technology is coming out every day. However, those are going to be the watches that tend to hold their value best. That's it. That is all I recommend for technology as starting. HRV, recovery status, and all this other stuff is super cool and super trendy, but let's master the basics and keep it simple before you jump into the major, major purchases and spending mucho dinero. How about we save that money, learn how to understand what our body is telling us, and instead put those $300 into your Roth IRA to allow you to save for your own retirement. And you can do that even if you don't work for a company. If you're an entrepreneur, Roth IRA, as of 2020, you can put up to $6,000 a year, which is $500 a month. That money can go in and help you as you come into retirement to swim, bike, and run even more. Now, until next time, remember, train smarter, not harder, because it is all about you. That's it for this episode of the Strong Savvy Cyclist and Triathlete Podcast with world-leading strength coach for cyclists and triathletes, Menachem Brody. Don't miss an episode. Hit that subscribe button and give us a review. For more exclusive content, visit humanvortextraining.com or get the latest expert videos from Coach Brody on the HVT YouTube channel at HV Training. Until next time, Remember to train smarter, not harder, because it is all about you.